0: to Right on Hollywood with Christian Toto, part of the Just the News Podcast Network. Sick of media bias infecting film reviews? Furious that too many stars insult your views? Right on Hollywood has your back. Christian is an award-winning journalist, movie critic, and founder of HollywoodandToto.com. The right take on entertainment. Now here's your host, Christian Toto. Welcome to Right on Hollywood, a proud member of the Just the News Podcast Network. This week's show is brought to you by the 94th Academy Awards Broadcast if you take a shot every time I star virtue signals, you might hate the show just a little bit less. Well, Saturday Night Live finally did it. The sketch show, which went from left-leaning to the full Colbert, you never go to the full Colbert, cranked out a sketch that didn't pack the usual pandemic talking points. In fact, it did the opposite. Now, I feel a little silly deconstructing a comedy sketch. It's... Kind of what our friends on the left often do, where they take a comedy routine or even a joke and they x-ray it to death, leaving behind nothing but outrage, of course. Now, if you have to explain a joke, you're already in trouble, but I, I don't want to do that. This is going to be a different analysis. I'm not outraged at the in question. I'm really fascinated by it. Now, we meet three couples who are having a dinner at a restaurant. We don't know anything about them except they're friends. But we're about to learn a lot more. One of the group members is still wearing a mask as the sketch opens. And another of his friends says, hey, you know, you don't have to wear that anymore. It's not necessary. Well, that sparks a whole series of oh-so-awkward reveals and confessions about the pandemic, each followed by hushed warnings and frantic whispers about saying too much. Why? Well, because COVID truths to the left are like garlic to vampires, apparently.
1: I will start because... Um for instance, while I am so personally relieved that I'm vaccinated. Careful. I, just, I sometimes wonder if, um, if other people who are hesitant. Careful. Might not have, like, a valid...
2: What?
1: Not, not valid, but, but understandable. Not tonight. Help me. I
3: think what she means is, maybe sometimes we are a little overzealous when we condemn... Oh, no. I just think that if people are actually losing their jobs...
2: Oh, no. Careful, girl.
0: The diners are suggesting that the mask mandates, maybe they didn't work as well as advertised. Same thing could be true for those vaccine ma- uh, mandates that they put in place. Now, the show's cast, which is typically pretty sharp. I mean, I don't agree with the show's politics, but I have to say these are professionals. Kind of feel like they bungled this sketch. They played too broadly. Like they're amateurs who got called up for the show out of the blue, and they really didn't deserve the recommendation. Now, just put that aside, though, the sketch is in question. It really kind of shows the left, and Saturday Night Live is the left in 2022. Processing the fact that we were maybe a little misled about the pandemic. It's funny after I watched it, I immediately emailed a buddy of mine and I said to him, This felt more like therapy than comedy. And and I stand by that thinking back on it. And why does this all matter? It mean, just one sketch. You know, who cares? You know, how many people saw it? Over a million on YouTube and maybe quite a bit more on the show itself, but Remember when Jon Stewart came out on The Late Show of All Places and said, you know what, that lab leak theory, it sounds pretty credible when you think about it. And that was the stuff of conspiracy fever dreams for quite some time. At least that's what big tech told us. That's what a lot of media outlets told us. And of course, a certain Dr. Fauci said the same as well. And yet after Stewart said it and said it in such plain language, we could really start to talk about that as a possible source of COVID-19. Now, I want to mention that specific thing is not my thought. I saw it on Twitter, but the person who posted it was absolutely right, so I want to give that person credit. I don't I don't she had one of those kind of crazy Twitter names that wasn't really coherent, so sorry about that, but she was right. It is her thought, not mine, but I did want to mention it. Now obviously SNL is part of the media machine and they demanded that we obey the state at every turn when it came to the pandemic. Don't question the New York Times. Mask up always. Vaccine mandates will crush COVID. Don't you say anything opposite of that. It just wasn't wasn't all true, though, at least not the way we were told. And anyone who tried to have a healthy debate on the subject, well, they were cast out of polite society, if not big tech, you know what happened on social media. It's all packed into this five-minute sketch, and I think it's a, a wonder of efficiency, if nothing else. I didn't really laugh at it, but I was really intrigued by it. It also showed the casual cruelty of of some segments of the left. At one point, one of the diners says, I kind of want all those unvaccinated people to get COVID. And of course, is he condemned for saying that? No, kind of smiles. No shocked looks there. Very revealing. Now, the show's lack of ideological uh, diversity. It's been apparent for quite some time. It's stunning. It's on display week after week. It's why they mostly ignore President Joe Biden. You Remember when shows used to make fun of the president? Not so much on Saturday Night Live. That's kind of old news. And of course, that particular path to comedy has crushed the show's legacy. This was a show that made fun of Clinton and Bush and Reagan and Carter. You name it, they made fun of it. That's no longer the case. And they they throw a few jabs once in a while, but it's night and day compared to what they have to handle, a Republican leader as opposed to a Democratic leader. So... I also thought about the sketch in question. I thought, how did it make the air? What was the conversation behind the scenes about it? Now, John Mullaney was in it. He was hosting that particular episode over the weekend. Did he have a hand in the writing? Was he part of the reason why it exists in the first place? I don't know. And I also wonder, do the writers really understand what the sketch is saying about the culture, about the media, about the show? Uh, it's all a mystery. We can't get behind the scenes. But the sketch's very existence tells me that maybe we're at a turning point of sorts. It's not necessarily a funny turning point, but it's one we should all welcome with open arms.
2: You're listening to my dad's podcast. He cried like a baby watching Snoopy come home.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This week's Toto's Take is Slasher. I have to say, I'm a big horror guy, but I didn't even know this this show existed until recently. It's a horror anthology series. Think about, like, an American horror story. little less pretentious, at least what I can tell. And uh, I'm four episodes into season one. There are four seasons in all. This was a Canadian series that's now on Netflix. But I've seen enough to really enjoy it and recommend it. Now, the first season feels like a mix of Scream, a dash of Silence of the Lambs, and just your average horror story. We follow a young woman. She returns to the place where her parents were murdered by a mass villain called the Executioner decades ago. She wants to start a new life with her new boyfriend in her old home. It's kind of a weird choice, but got to set these horror stories in motion. Uh, Now, you don't get those meta jokes like you get in Scream. It's really kind of a simple, straightforward story. Uh, The main character has a whiff of Sidney Prescott from that Scream series in it, but I also think it was intriguing where she interviews the person who killed her parents in jail. That's where the Silence of the Lambs kind of... uh, motif comes into play. I'm listening, Clarice. Now, this isn't groundbreaking TV at all. This isn't great. But the scares are legit. The effects are good. And you really care about the characters. I love that in a horror movie. Listen, it's fun to slice and dice away. Slasher movies are all about that. But when you have something invested in the heroes of the story, it's always a better story. Now, it's also interesting that the show has a gay couple who plays prominently in the storyline and they are far... From Flawless. And I have to add, the hero's mom, she is a character as well. You'll enjoy watching her too. Now, I'm kind of curious how this all plays out. Is it a satisfying ending? Do some of the motivations come fully into view? They're kind of teased at for a while. But right now, I'm going to be watching Slasher, at least season one, and you can too on Netflix. I've been running a website called Hollywoodintoto.com since 2014. But I have to confess, it is imperfect, especially on the in-toto part. I don't have a lot of content about music. You know, Over the years, I've kept up to speed on all the latest movies. I think I'm pretty solid there. I've done a decent job of doing the same with TV shows. There are so many, it's hard to really kind of capture them all, watch them all. But I'm aware of most of them, and I watch as much as I can, so I feel comfortable there. But when it comes to music, it's it's an obvious weak spot for me. But I know a good song when I hear it, and I enjoy music tremendously in my private life. And I've recently heard not one, but two really good protest songs. And I want to share them with you. Here's the first one.
2: Alive, do what he says, not what he do, Cause the truth is for him and the lie is for you. Sad little man, but he's treated like a god, as the faithless pray to a fake and a fraud. Worship the man, pledge to his word. One shot, two shot, now you get a third.
0: I love that song the very first time I heard it. Often with music, I need to hear a song two, three, four times before it really kind of builds on me. The melodies kind of come to really kind of pop up. I just, it's just the way I appreciate music. I don't know, maybe people are different than me, but that's how I process songs. But that one right away, yeah, that's good. So I popped up another song by the same artist to find out if it was equally good. And yes, it's excellent too. Take a listen.
2: Everybody, hit down, pick yourself up pronoun. now. Join the resistance on government assistance. Stop all the hate as you advocate violence. Block and suppress anyone you want, silence. Take what you want, cause what you want is what you owe. Call everyone a fascist, do the raw control.
0: Amazing, right? And the music videos that accompany each of these songs are just as good. Kind of reminded me a little bit of Terry Gilliam back in his Monty Python days. Excellent, really evocative, very creative too. Well, who's the musician behind all this? Well, it's Brad Skistemis. He's also known as Five Times August. That's his stage name. He's a singer songwriter who's got a really interesting past. He was the first unsigned act to get his music distributed in Walmart stores. That's pretty cool. And his songs have been used on TV shows, commercials, even some feature films. Not a bad resume. Now, he also leans to the right, but he didn't really lean into that, tap into that, until a trio of events changed that perspective in recent months. President Joe Biden, COVID-19, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Actually, I couldn't wait to learn more about his story, how big tech was trying to suppress his music, and so much more. So I'm glad we had a chance to talk. Now here's Brad, the mind behind Five Times August, but in the meantime, just try getting his songs out of your head. Good luck with that. Brad, thanks for joining the show. I'm always curious when artists first began their journey. And I know for a lot of people uh, who are musicians, it's picking up a guitar at a very young age, and... Something clicks. Was that was that your story? Was that your origin story, or how did, how did things happen for you musically?
3: Yeah, I was always interested in music. I it, I didn't know it. I didn't realize it at the time. But looking back on old family videos and pictures and stuff, I always had a Walkman. I always had headphones on, and uh, I was listening to cassette tapes. And uh, you know, I think that sort of I had a love of music. I didn't really know until I did find a guitar. I found my grandpa's guitar in the back of a closet. In our house, it had one string left on it, and it just piqued my curiosity. We took it to the local guitar shop, and the guy strung it up. He, you know, and played that. I think he, I don't know. Looking back, he probably played like an E chord or something, and it just blew my mind. And I was like, "Wow, that's the prettiest thing I've ever heard." And you know, I just knew that's what I wanted to
0: do. Wow, that's a, that's a great story. Uh, now you've been an independent music musician for a while now. You've had success in that level it sounds like more recently you've taken a turn to more protest style music. Is that accurate? And maybe to share what, what kind of sparked that particular detour?
3: Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been writing music, uh, for uh, two decades now and, um, I've had so many different, different avenues of my career over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've written songs for TV shows and, and, uh, movies and commercials and my own work. And then I've done kids music. And then um, just right at the end of 2020, you know, I was looking around at the world wondering what's going on and why aren't any of my peers speaking up, all my favorite rock and roll rebels. And um, and really, you know, I was thinking about my kids and this world that we're setting up for them. And, you know, we're at such a... Uh, a crossroads in time. I did not want to look back on on this era and think that I didn't do anything. And um, music is my tool. It's what I have to offer. And so, um, you know, I started releasing these these songs, sort of speaking up um, about what was important to me. And um, yeah, it's been quite a journey the last year, um, seeing how that's affected my career and my relationships in the industry um, but on the other side of that, it's, it's been well worth
0: the, uh, worth the fight. Well, I guess the natural question is how has it impacted your career and your relationships and within the music industry?
3: Well, early on, it was, uh, it was a little disheartening because I've been in the industry for, for 20 years now, and you create all sorts of relationships with people from different backgrounds and stories. And I mean, my, my my uh, connections were of, of with a broad group of people um and that was always just the way it was i liked sort of sitting in the middle and being friends with everybody um and then once i started speaking up through these songs um i instantly noticed a turn i started losing fans i started losing uh work relationships and associates musician friends songwriters um it was all of a sudden like oh you can't say that and, and that's dangerous and what you're doing is, is uh, crazy or you're lumped into a category of conspiracy theorist or something like that. Um, and these are people that, that were supposed to know me, that were supposed to know who I am, what my core you know, values are. And um, so it was a little, little disheartening at first to see that and you lose opportunities. But, um, but every time I lost a fan, I gained 10 more from people discovering these songs saying, thank you so much for speaking out. Um. Every opportunity I lost paved way for another opportunity, and you know, it, it it's it's been amazing to see because it, it every time something like that happened where I lost something but gained more, it instilled more confidence in me. And uh, I was just in um, Washington D.C. a few, uh, I guess, at the end of January for the defeat the mandates rally and doing uh, the biggest thing I've ever done in my career, which was perform on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in front of 35,000 people. And, um, you know, that was the greatest thing ever. And I'm there and delivering this moment in time to people who are in this fight with me. So it's been a journey. But it, again, like I said, it's been worth worth the battle for me.
0: It's really important that, um, that we're sharing that side of your story. Because I'm hearing this from other people as well. I, I speak to other rebels, I like, guess you could say, Chrissy Mayer, uh, Tyler Fisher, Gina Carano. Mm-hmm. And they all have a very similar arc to their story. It's scary. They're losing friends and relationships in a way, professionally speaking, maybe more. And at some point they realize, no, th- other things are opening up to me. There are new, new mm-hmm. vantages that I can take advantage of. There, there's, there's more here. It isn't a dead end. It's actually an opening. It's an awakening in a sense. And I I really think that's a critical message because for people to speak out they often don't because they're afraid. And I completely understand that it is a scary process, but there is hope. There is opportunity there. There are things that will, you'll benefit from. And uh, I'm glad you share that. I'm glad it happened, obviously. Uh, Sad Little Man is just a great song and the video is amazing. So if you, you know, if you haven't seen it on YouTube, go see it now, hit pause in this podcast. But I understand that was a, was one of the songs that got caught up with the big tech sensors. Can you share more about that particular Avenue? Because it's, it's a protest song. It's smart. It's good. It's interesting. It's thought provoking. This is not something that should be censored in any way, but what, what happened with that song?
3: Yeah. I tried to be real careful with it. In fact, if you listen to the song by itself, you wouldn't, you wouldn't really be able to, you could, but you, I left enough room to, to presume who it's about, but you couldn't really connect that it's about Anthony Fauci until you watch the video, which is a little bit more (laughs) in your face. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and that's sort of the the, uh, the trick to the art that I'm doing right now is that I'm trying to play by their rules. And even when you play by their rules, like I don't say Fauci, I don't say vaccine, I don't say COVID or mm. coronavirus in the lyrics but at all. And the video was still flagged for medical misinformation. <laughs> and um, basically what happened was uh, Glenn Beck had shared the video on his show and the video started going viral. And by the end of the day, I was getting messages from people saying, this video was really hard to find. I was searching for it on YouTube and I couldn't <sighs> find it. And then I started doing searches for it and it re- I couldn't find my own video on YouTube. And so I did a test and I uploaded a, another video of me just performing the song mm. by, itself, by, by myself from a stream that I had done the, the night before. And I put the same title in the video and, and sure enough, it just popped up right away in the search results. Um, so I knew that they were messing with it and um, I have had a lot of back and forth with uh, YouTube creator support on Twitter um, through, their, through their chat, through email. And my one question has been like, "What's the medical misinformation?" Let's hear it. You know, you guys, have, yeah. you guys are making the rules. Let's hear what the medical misinformation is. And I have not gotten one clear answer from them on what the medical misinformation is. I've pushed them, I've asked them, I've sat on chat for 30 minutes talking to probably a robot or something like that. But they're just like, <laughs> "We can't give you any more yeah. information." Um, so it's been interesting to see. And they've attacked some of my other videos for ridiculous reasons. And um, it, it is funny to be sitting in the middle of this because for creating music for 20 years. And then you sort of hear about people pri- prior to me speaking out through my music, you hear about people being shadow banned and mm-hmm. uh, censored and stuff. And then, and then all of a sudden it's happening to you. And I, soon after I released uh, Sad Little Man and had that controversy, uh, Wikipedia deleted my page, <laughs> of all things. And it's been up there for 15 years. And all of a sudden it's taking up prime real estate on wikipedia that they've got to remove it um so it's been it's been you know funny to see you see the hypocrisy you call them out i've I've said to twitter uh, i I air out all my grievances on on publicly (laughs) on twitter because i think it's important for people to see this but i'll ask people uh twitter support and i'll say why is my video getting flagged for this or that and um you know take any other sort of you know, pop, the Childish Gambino is a great example. Childish Gambino's This Is America that begins with him shooting a guy in the head and then he mows down a church choir in the middle of it. And it's violent and it has 800 million views. It's fully monetized. Um, and these sort of messages get through, you know, they peek through the cracks. And I had a conversation the other day with a musician friend of mine and that he said it great. He was saying that um, anything that empowers people to think for themselves, that's why it gets removed. You know, that's that's when it works against you. But if you can make people feel, you know, uh, in, in inferior and less than or um, just sort of, uh, you know, it. it it's, it's just what, what my message is, is to get you to think outside the box. And that seems to be working against me in the big tech world.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, that's exactly why Joe Rogan is under a significant cancel culture attack, because he's making people think for themselves. He's offering different solutions, different opportunities, different opinions. And that is not what the big tech overlords want. And, you know, if I was having this conversation four years ago, I would be writing both of us off as conspiracy theorists, but it's it's plain as day. It's out there. And I want to mention one more thing before we go on. What these big tech censors do is they keep it purposely vague because they want to make sure that, they're, that you be, begin to self-censor. So if they don't tell you what the medical misinformation is, that's saying to you... I can't go anywhere near this topic. I, if if I want to keep keep right. on getting a YouTube, but I don't want to get you know punished or or you know penalized, I can't go near it. That's what they want. Right. It's so fascinating, yeah. and I've and I've seen stories about Chinese censorship, and that is the exact play. And to see it happening mm-hmm. with American companies and American tech is just scary. And uh, you're just another example. And I'm so glad we're talking and I'm so glad you're getting this out. And uh, I, yeah, kudos to Glenn Beck, the Federalist, I believe, has written about you as well. We all should be reading, mm-hmm. writing about the situation because this is not good, not normal. And uh, congrats for kind of keep on keeping on. Uh, looking forward, we're in 2022 now. There's clearly lots of things to write protest songs about. Are you looking to kind of keep leaning in this direction? What What else do you have on tap for this year that you can share?
3: yeah i mean i've always written songs based on what i was going through and that's where this all sort of spurred on from i i the first song i released was called god help us all and i i wrote it as sort of a a prayer that you could also just apply if you're not a religious person to just look at the world and ask yourself that question god help us all you know um but it's, it's sort of just me venting through my music and then as i started to connect with others and you realize that the mainstream message um, underneath it there's this incredible support of people that are just uh, they're just looking for something that's true and real and I've, I've I've loved connecting with people all around the world through these songs and I definitely plan to keep going moving forward with it sometimes you know it's very topical I was working on one song and then um, last year and then at uh, all the stuff that happened with Afghanistan, um, the Afghanistan withdrawal came out, and I, I sort of changed course and wrote a song directed at Joe Biden called Joe. Um, so it's, it's at the moment, in a way, I've been sort of writing these songs as they come to me. Um, I'll write it. I'll record it within a week or two. And then make a video for it the following week once it's done. And it, you know, I have I still haven't even learned the words to some of these songs <laughs> because it's been moving so quickly. Yeah. Um, but I definitely you know have you know there's no no stopping me now. It's funny because every time I release something, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get in big trouble now. And uh, the amount of support and and uh, it has just been has just been so motivating to see because it it just it just tells you that. There's more of us out there than the media is going to let on.
0: That's uh, that's inspiring. And before I let you go, Brad, do you do those videos yourself? Is that sort of self-created? What's what's your because the videos are amazing. There's there, it's, it's almost like a Terry Gilliam pastiche of images and visuals. It's excellent, and I, I was kind of curious what what what's the secret sauce there.
3: Yeah, I do those videos myself. Wow. I like, I like doing the videos myself because they're an extension of, of my own message. Um, but I, I taught myself to do that. I didn't really know how to do animation. I actually, the, the funny thing is I was doing animations like that for a kids project I was doing prior to the pandemic. And I had taught myself this sort of cut and paste uh, style. It's very crafty looking, two dimensional stuff. Um, I taught myself that, that style. Um, not really knowing how to do it mm-hmm. back in 2018 for for kids music teaching you kindness and um, gratitude and these character building songs that I was doing and uh, so it's it's funny that I was I had to learn to do this these animations through that style um, for the, that message to come out on the other end speaking out you know with these protest songs um, but um, yeah I do all those myself and, and it's a self-taught thing I don't know if I'm doing it the the traditional way or, or the most conducive way, but I'm doing it. <laughs> so You are, and it's, you, know, so- you have to sort of Teach yourself these things sometimes.
0: Exactly. that That's even more amazing. I just to figure you had a, a crack team at your disposal, but all self-carned. <laughs> I I I <laughs> well, Brad, thank you yeah. so much for joining Right on Hollywood. Of course, please go to 5timesaugust.com for more information about Brad, his music, his YouTube channel, and subscribe to that YouTube channel. It is outrageously good. And it's not just the music. It's, it's the visuals, too. It's a one-two punch there. So, uh, Brad, thanks for being courageous. Thanks for taking a stand and uh, keep up the great work.
1: Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be convenient, comfortable. Ah.
0: Thank you, thank you for listening to Right on Hollywood, part of the Just the News podcasting family. My new book, Virtue Moms How Hollywood Got Woke and Lost Its Soul, is available now on Amazon or any other place you get books. A real big thank you, by the way, to comedian Derek Richards. We had a great conversation recently. You can check it out on his podcast, A Drink with Derek. Great show. And for all the kind comments I've been getting in recent weeks on Twitter, Facebook, all different social media outlets, as my dad would often say, my heart is full. So let's keep that brand of kindness flowing, at least until the next episode. Baby steps, as Bill Murray once told us, baby steps. Thanks for listening to the Right on Hollywood podcast, part of the Just the News Network. We'd love to hear from you about the show. You can email christian at hollywoodintoto.com. And And please don't forget to rate and review us at Apple Podcasts. Five-star reviews make our day. But just speak from the heart. Free speech matters more than ever.